0: This is the MDRT Podcast. Advisors can't take for granted that they will be referred to younger generations of a client's family. During a Zoom conversation in August 2021, Bill Cates, Annapolis, Maryland. Tristan Harty, Chester, United Kingdom. Discussed why these referrals are important and how to handle unexpected nuances about these relationships.
1: Ultimately, you spend years developing a relationship with the first person and eventually they are going to pass away. If you have made sure that you've got the next generation, the money is likely going to go there. And therefore, you can add real value as well because you're going to be able to help with the transition of that, which makes it a bit quicker. But also, you're not losing that money to whoever their advisor is. Because all they're going to do otherwise is go and see who they already trust. But perhaps one of the biggest pitfalls that people do when it comes to multi-generational planning is that they treat the the next generation the same as the first generation. Mm. So they'll tell the same stories, they'll talk in the same way. But actually, let's say you've got Fred, his own is forty-five or something like that. They're very different people. And, they, and they're at very different stages in life and they need to be still seen as separate clients rather than just what, like, rather than one unit. You might, if you see them as one unit, as a, how it works in the fees, but they are still very different people and they still need to be treated as such. And I think one of the biggest problems with the multi-generational side is many advisors will treat them as just whoever the, the oldest client is and all the way the same down.
0: I think
2: that's great advice. I'll tell you. The, let me give you a why for this first. You know why I think in these terms. And, and Tristan mentioned that most advisors do lose the business with the well. That most of uh, a lot of them lose it when the spouse dies, right? Because they haven't included the other spouse. So that's the first step. And the next step, of course, is the children. And I think it's like two percent of advisors tame the assets and the, and the ability to do business with the children when both parents go. So I mean, that's abysmal. Uh, So from a business standpoint and losing the assets and losing the opportunities, that alone, I would think should drive people to think about the multi-generational, but there's another aspect to it that a lot of people don't think about. So let's take an older couple that has children that may be in their thirties and they have children, right? So there's grandchildren at play as well. And let's say that God forbid, something happens to the children of the clients the adult children, who's going to be responsible for watching the grandchildren? Well, probably the grandparents, right? Well, has money been allocated for that? Because there's a financial impact of that, right? First of all, legally hasn't been set up properly, but also financially hasn't been set up properly. Uh, Also, we know that these younger parents, right, need to be protected against the decisions that the older clients have made or have not made. So because the decisions that everybody in a family, even extended family makes, impacts everybody else, it makes sense for the advisor to have relationships with those people. And a lot of times you can do business with them, but it starts off by just knowing that the decisions you make or don't make affect your children, the children that, you know, the, the decisions your parents make or don't make affect you. And, and so on. If there are godparents involved who will be actually bringing up the children, right? Again, have the parents left money for that, all of that. So it's what's doing, what's right for the client. And if you think about expanding the relationship and, and actually not just selling a product to help this person, but getting the full context of how their financial decisions impact other people, it starts to become a no-brainer to have these conversations, And it's not just good for business, it's what is right for the client. And whenever you do what's right for the client, it's usually going to be good for your business in some form or another. Some clients, you've probably seen this, Tristan, they just love it when you've reached out and taken care of their children and and even grandchildren, helping them make the right decisions, right? So it strengthens the relationship with the initial clients who've done that. I'm sure you've seen that.
1: Yes, 100%. And it's one of the big things as well about it is that you kind of people forget that if you're looking at the lifetime of a client, whilst if you've got a client who's say 60 or 70, you're probably going to get 10 to 15 years. If that, I can't believe that the stat is 2% only is is what ends up remaining, uh, which is truly abysmal and does make you wonder if there's clearly way if you can keep those clients you're not going to have to go out and prospect as much
2: <laughs> a lot of folks I'm coaching these days or people I, I meet you know when I give a speech they say you know I don't know I just want to focus on my cl- I don't want to do you know this whole thing I say but what's right what's and they go well you know actually my clients are getting older and when they start to retire and t- and draw down you know I'm, I don't make as much money and a lot, and I've had a few clients die and you know, all that sort of stuff. But I've worked with a lot of people that have a, an older clientele and they want to actually put a little youth into their book for themselves or for whoever's going to take over that book of business later. And so this is the perfect natural way to do that to create a little more younger clients coming in is through your older clients. It just makes sense. And a lot of those younger clients, a lot of those children can be B plus A clients in their own right. It's not just doing the right thing for the family. It's, it also helps your business quite a bit. So.
1: Well, generally what we find is if we've got our A and B clients, their children are generally, this is a big generalization, but they're raised in a way that encourages them to end up wanting to be the same. Mm-hmm. And they're going into similar professions, whether that's business owners, directors, lawyers, doctors, whatever it might be. All gone, they're generally on the same path. So actually, they will end up being very good clients themselves.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, except for the fact that they could be clients for thirty or forty years, uh, depending on your age or for your firm as a whole. Right. So it's sort of um, it, it's that being open-minded about it, because generally, there is not going to be overly complex stuff that you're going to be dealing with because you're not dealing with any estate duties or anything like that. You're probably dealing with mostly savings. Pensions, which I think in the US or 401ks and that sort of stuff. And then you may maybe going to look at a bit of insurance. But you're, nine times out of ten, you're not going to be dealing with complicated things. You're going to be dealing with bread and butter.
0: Right. Right. Has there ever been a time where you weren't sure what to do with a multi-generational referral? Either because the kids weren't the type of person that would normally be one of your ideal clients or otherwise?
1: Yes. There's always going to be that outlier who's a bit strange. We had one who came in and lectured me on a, how about traditional financial services was dead and that cryptocurrency was the only way forward. Oh my which, <laughs> which okay. took of him talking at me to be sort of like, I was trying to finish the meeting and kind of be like, well, no. <laughs> it's, um, you know, that sort of that. So you do get those ones who can be a little bit, They think they know better than you, because depending on the age of the client, once you get into sort of, millennials have a bad reputation for being a bit wanting everything right now. I can say that as a millennial, (laughs) patience is not, we were not built to be patient, but I think generally it's that trying to prime the client and depending on how much their parents have told them as well. So sometimes the generation that is your client, the older generation, we've had it where they've not told their children anything about their financial situation. So they're coming into it completely blind and you're basically having to do a cold, it's like a cold sale. You preferably want the referrals into the multi-generation ones where either maybe even the parents are sat with them at the first time you meet, which could bring us back to the event thing. They could come along to an event with their parents. So it's a nice way to do the, the soft meet or you want them so that they're already sort of semi-involved in the plan and they're aware of it at least. If they're not aware, you're basically just getting a cold sale. It's not been warmed up at all. And referrals are all about them. You, don't, you want the referral to be as hot as possible so that it just isn't, it's not really any work. You don't have, the sale is made before they walked in the door or logged onto the Zoom call.
2: Yeah, if I could add to that, some advisors love facilitating the family conversations and, you know, sometimes it, I wouldn't say contentious maybe is too strong a word, but, you know, uh, they, they have a great transparent conversation and the parents want the children to know what they're going to inherit so they can plan appropriately, et cetera. And I think that makes sense, actually. Other parents don't want the kids to know, which I, I don't think is smart, but you can't make them want to do it. And so then you get that a little bit of colder introduction. Uh, you're going to get the range. And some advisors just love doing those family th- events and talking and helping people get together and agree. And some advisors just say, no, I'm not going into that. <laughs> and you don't necessarily have to. I don't know, Tristan, you alluded to that. Maybe if you've had many of those meetings where the whole family is there and they are talking about that, does it get a little rough or, uh, at all? Or, you know, I'm just curious what you've experienced there.
1: Nine times out of 10, it's fine. Because they generally will trust their parents or grandparents, whatever level it is, sort of decision. And that they're talking to you for a reason. That generally works better, particularly if they've been with you for a long time, uh, or a client of the firm for a, for a long time. And you're sort of entrenched as part of their life. The bigger problem comes when it's a relatively new client mm. and the kids are a bit more sceptical. And I say kids, I mean, they could be 40 or 50, but right. they're a bit more sceptical. And perhaps they've got a mate down at the local bar who tells them that, oh, if you do this instead, and you get those awkward conversations it can lead to a bit of argument between the parents and the children, because there's that sort of, they can almost feel defensive of the advisor, uh, you know, although we can all look after ourselves. They almost feel defensive about it. So you end up with that, that slight heated side. To be honest, the heated arguments in most of my meetings, generally, if there are ever, come between the spouses, <laughs> not the children.
2: Yeah, makes sense.
0: Is there something you think advisors need to do to make themselves more referable to a younger generation beyond being recommended by their parents? For example, using TikTok or doing things that might help a younger generation not see you as fitting a perception they may have of a stodgy advisor.
1: So for me, social media is a tool to help reinforce your brand, not necessarily a tool for prospecting. That's how we use it, is it's a great way for for Facebook or Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it might be, of just basically reinforcing the brand. When someone Googles you, Facebook's going to pop up pretty sharpishly up there. And if you're doing regular blogs or something and I would actually recommend you hire someone to do it don't do it yourself because it can be a massive time sucker but you can just have everything automated hire someone just to run it just send them the posts and it adds that credibility I'm not sure it's necessarily a way of getting referrals or bringing brand new clients in that's my opinion because it's too short and sharp and we're not trying to sell a pair of shoes we're trying to sell financial freedom comfort but I think For the younger generation they're going to check out your social feeds and if you don't have one they're going to go well i'm not going to use him but someone else will pop up because what the problem is once you search it anytime you go on your social feeds that algorithm's now in there and you're going to see 78 people who do the same thing but are using social media so it's more for me that it's that reinforcement of when that referral comes from the parents or to anyone in general. At least you have a presence online. It makes you look a lot more genuine as well.
0: That's the end of this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, you can find us on SoundCloud and Spotify at MDRT Podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.